Hello, hello, and welcome back, my beautiful warriors and survivors and thrivers, to the next episode of the Phoenix Rising podcast. I am your host. I am so glad that I prepped for this episode before my uh, new and last semester at grad school started, because I'm already overwhelmed and up to my ears in homework. Uh, Luckily, I finished all my work this week, so I'm going to relax this weekend and take it easy. But I am here, and I am so ready. I'm going to try and keep up with this podcast and keep the episodes coming out because I still have a ton of ideas that I'd like to share with the community and get out there. So today's episode is about trauma bonding, and it's something I've dealt with, and... I'm sure a lot of you have as well. It's painful. It's tragic. It's, I don't know, a mind F. (laughs) But anyways, let's dive right in. So the term trauma bonding was coined by Patrick Carnes in 1997. I thought this was really interesting. He's actually a specialist in addiction therapy and he founded the International Institute for Trauma and Addiction Professionals. Now, for those of you who are new to the community, or maybe you were in a toxic relationship and didn't experience a trauma bond, you're probably wondering, okay, what is a trauma bond? So a trauma bond is when an abuser conditions their victim with intermittent rewards and punishments. It's really similar to an addiction, you know, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, sex addiction. You're psychologically addicted to your narcissist and sadly you are always craving that next reward and that relief from the miserable suffering that is this toxic dance of a relationship. Uh, On a psychological, physiological biochemical level you are addicted this is actually very similar on a cellular level to an addiction because your brain becomes addicted to the hormonal and emotional roller coaster there's the stress hormone cortisol and so you get that from all you know the drama and the abuse and then when you get those rewards and that relief you get the flood of dopamine which is the feel-good chemical of the brain and that triggers the reward center so you're activating all the same parts of the brain that are activated from other addictions i also want to clarify too that uh, trauma bonds can occur in many different contexts of abuse. So it doesn't just have to be, you know, these covert narcissistic abusive relationships. They can occur with incest, kidnapping, sexual abuse, elder abuse, cults, uh, human trafficking, just to name a few. But for our purposes today, we're going to be focusing on domestic abuse, specifically with narcissists. But anyways you do get hooked into the dynamic. And this, I think this is a lot of, not all the time, but a lot of the time when people ask, how could he or she or they stay? Why doesn't this person leave? And I think you can count on that being the trauma bond. I mean, obviously there are other, you know, safety concerns, things like that, children, financials but 
sometimes the trauma bond is why people do not leave. Now, the trauma bond follows these cycles of abuse. There will first be an incident of abuse followed by love bombing to, air quotes, mend things. The abuser will typically profess love and regret. You know, this will never happen again. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it. Blah, blah, blah. We've all heard it before. (laughs) And then comes peace before tensions start to build again. And the cycle, unfortunately, inevitably starts up again. In my circumstance, I usually had to do the work. I'd become really depressed and I'd pull away and then I would typically have to initiate the mending of the relationship when there was a stressor, a fight, uh, some sort of issue going on between us. But the problems were usually placed on me. I was the one that was, you know, too sensitive, making a mountain out of a molehill. So there were times where I really felt like you know, which is classic in these dynamics where I felt like it was my fault. I was the reason for all the problems. So I was the one that was, you know, taking some space and then I would come around and initiate the conversations to mend. But there were some times where, you know, he did come around to try to quote mend things, but most of the time it was up to me to do that. But we, we did have some incidents. There was one in particular where he was raising his voice at me, yelling at me about the finances and to figure my shit out and to contribute money to the family. And he, I don't know, he just, he lost it. He was super angry and frustrated. Like we were sitting at the table, we were both eating and I just, you know, I st- obviously stopped eating. I started sobbing and... I was telling him, I don't know what to do because we can't afford childcare and I don't have a car. Like, how are we going to make this work? There's no one to watch our son. And, you know, his mom had offered to watch our son one day a week. So then I'm thinking, okay, how am I supposed to work with this? (laughs) Only one day a week. And he was just telling me, you know, you got to figure your own shit out. This is up to you. This is on you. But he was yelling at me and I started sobbing. And I went into the room in our bed and I just was crying and crying. And then this was a the, followed by typical love bombing of him coming in and comforting me. And I love you. I'm so sorry. You know, I didn't mean it. And I was telling him, you know, he hated me because that's, <laughs> that's how it felt the last few years of our relationship. And he's like, I don't hate you. I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have done this. Blah, blah, blah. But, you know, most of the time it was on me uh, to repair the problems because I felt that was my responsibility. It was, you know, he did something to hurt me and then I felt like it was my fault and I felt like I was too sensitive and overreacting so then I would try and make things right. Um, Yeah, and then sometimes it was just a response to his abuse that I would close up and I wouldn't want to talk about things and sometimes he would come around but I mean like I've mentioned a million times before these relationships aren't textbook they don't always follow the same patterns there's so many variations of how these cycles and how these moments of you know the fights and the distress how they play out but 
when you're in a relationship with a narc and you're pulled into this bond, into the trauma bond, you do your best not to stir the pot. You want to do everything to please your abuser. And what gives you hope is that things are going to return to that initial love bombing stage. How things were in the beginning when everything was so much better than it is now. When your partner seemed like a dream come true. When he or she or they seem so loving and when things seem so damn happy. We try so desperately to fix what we perceive we have done to make things so terrible, which is what I was just saying with me. It was like, okay, I'm the one that has all these mental health problems. So, oh my God, I'm causing all the issues. I'm the stay-at-home mom who's run out of options of how to contribute financially. So this is all my fault. This is why he's super stressed. This is why he's mean sometimes. It's all me. So then you you go about, you know, scrambling, scrambling, trying to find out how to fix things. You know, how did things get so bad? Well, it must have been us. It must have been me, the one with all the problems because it's always my fault. You know, this is that skewed backward thinking that they have us falling into. And we keep trying to seek out that love and that validation that we are being deprived of. And that in turn deepens the trauma bond and gives our abuser more power. There was this really great quote. I'm going to post all the links for all the articles that I got all my research from. But this quote said, Trauma bonding feels like you've broken me into pieces, but you're the only one who can fix me. I thought that was so powerful and profound. I've always felt this way, uh, especially because of my codependency, because I handed over all of my power to my ex. I gave him this power to change and affect my emotions, my moods, my well-being. If things were not going well between us, then my day was ruined. And I felt like my life was ruined and nothing was right. It was just miserable and dark and there was, he was the only one that could fix it. He was the one that caused me the pain, but he was my relief from my pain. And that is one of the defining characteristics of a trauma bond. The victim will make excuses for their abuser, agreeing with them and blaming themselves for the narc's behavior. Uh, We'll come up with so many reasons so many rationalizations for why they're behaving the way that they're behaving like they had a hard day at work no wonder they're so stressed out or he she is angry with me because i don't bring in any money or his or her childhood was so rough i have done this countless times and i'm sure that you all have too We think, well, if I were smarter, if I was successful, if I were better, more attractive, if we had more sex, etc., then things will go back to the way they were before and we'll live happily ever after. What's really scary to me, I'd never thought about this before, I'd never read it until I really took a deep dive into it, but the trauma bond is actually really similar to Stockholm Syndrome. And if you're not familiar, Stockholm Syndrome is when a person who's being held captive comes to feel trust or affection for the people who are holding them against their will. These can be romantic, familial, or within friendships. 
And it's a means of survival to endure emotional, mental, sexual, or physical abuse. So, you know, I I have to, I can't emphasize this enough. If you are in a trauma bond right now, or you've experienced one, or you know someone who's in one, it is nothing to be ashamed of because it is a natural way that the brain feels that it's you know it's how the brain protects us it's how it endures such high levels of stress this is a a means of survival and again there's nothing to be ashamed of it is completely uh, I think logical it makes sense that the brain is going through so much trauma that it has to reconcile that somehow and this is one of the ways that it it is able to function. What are the signs and symptoms of a trauma bond? There are many signs, so I'm just going to cover a small list of them, but there are a ton. One would be a victim covering up or making excuses to others about their abuser's behavior, lying to friends and or family about the abuse, a victim not feeling comfortable with leaving the situation or they are unable to leave, a victim thinking the abuse is their fault. The victim might change their behavior to avoid setting off the abuser or worry they might do something to upset them. You do everything to please them and are always loyal, even when they constantly hurt you. The victim might hide their emotions from the abuser. You may grow numb to the abuse, effectively normalizing it. Uh, It's possible that some people will turn to mood-altering substances like alcohol to cope. The victim may forget their worth and value. You end up craving the crumbs of love and attention, always just grabbing, you know, trying to reach for those those little cookie crumbles. Uh, OCD tendencies are very possible, as well as sleeping difficulties or eating problems. My OCD tendencies, you know, we have some obsessive compulsive issues that run in my family that me and my siblings all deal with. Mine, I noticed, actually got a lot better after our relationship ended, which I always found very interesting. I also had some really extreme sleeping issues. Um, One of them being, well, I had a lot of issues with insomnia, of course. But one of the big ones was sleep paralysis. I would constantly wake up every night and see a man in my room, like the outline of a man, and I was frozen, I'd panic, and it would take me maybe, I don't know, 15 to 30 seconds, finally I'd be able to move. I'd kind of grab my phone, shine a light on the area. There was no person in the room, of course. Luckily, thankfully, But what I found interesting, and I I had this, you know, revelation. I was talking to my mom on the phone, and I started crying because I realized that as a single mother living alone, you'd think that all those fears would be there still, and they're not. My sleep paralysis is gone. It's completely gone. And it's really sad and crazy to me when I think about the fact that sleeping next to my husband, my life partner, my best friend, that I didn't feel safe, that I was under so much stress, 
that I was having these issues with insomnia and sleep paralysis and I just I wasn't feeling safe with him and now that I'm alone you'd think those things would be so much worse and they're not they're so much better which I'm incredibly grateful for I also my anxiety and my depression my panic attacks all that stuff was through the roof really really bad and now I mean yes I've had a lot of therapy and I've been doing so much you know reading and reflecting and growing and evolving but still having that dark cloud and that dark force and presence out of my life it's really made a difference in my mental health and in my well-being and lastly you doubt yourself and your sanity and again this is only some of them this article that i found it's on a website called abusewarrior.com and it's 39 plus subtle signs of trauma bonding i will post all this information in the episode description and on the the show's instagram page but this had so many signs on there that i could relate to and the list is very extensive so i i suggest if you are curious if you are feeling like suspicious that you may be in one or know someone who's in one I highly recommend looking through that website what is the impact of a trauma bond the worst impact is that a person stays in a relationship that's ultimately the worst thing because obviously there's continued abuse and in some very severe situations people are physically in danger their life's in danger their children are in danger even when separation does happen, the victim can experience continued trauma and low self-esteem. One of the articles I read mentions that a study done on the impact on self-esteem continued for up to six months after the separation from the abuser. And other effects, you know, understandably include depression, anxiety, and an increase in the likelihood of intergenerational trauma. This, it's essentially a withdrawal. You are withdrawing from the source of your addiction. And this is not to say that you shouldn't leave if you or your children are in any immediate danger. I really want to make that clear. That's the case. The benefits definitely outweigh the risks. I'm not going to tell you what to do in your situation if you are currently in a trauma bond. But, you know, that's for you to decide. But obviously, if there is any eminent danger to you or your children please get out call 911 get help what are the common risk factors for a trauma bond so trauma bonds can happen to anybody really but there are increased chances and that can and those increased chances can come from things such as poor mental health so check that for me <laughs> low self-esteem at the time check that for me financial difficulties lacking a support system, past trauma, yes, a history of being bullied, yes, and or a lack of personal identity. I can check many things off, those, <laughs> off of this list. But how, how do we ultimately get out of a trauma bond? And how do we cope? How do we cope with those lasting effects that can last months or years? It's always recommended that this is the separation is done with the help of a professional but if that's not an option definitely someone you trust in your support network 
you need to first physically separate from the abuser and it's extremely difficult, but it's going to ultimately be easier than the emotional separation. The emotional separation is where a lot of the self-work and dedication comes in. Cut all lines of communication if possible. You know, like in my situation, sometimes no contact isn't an option because you have share a child or children with the person but always try to restrict communication to that of just you know child care um, the kids diet pickups like drop-offs things like that any just only to do with the kid nothing else nothing to do with the relationship what I really struggled with in the end you know moving forward was this person is not my friend anymore they are not my partner I shared everything with this person for so long, I really had to train myself that that was not the case anymore. You acknowledge that you have a choice and that you can leave the relationship. Once you realize this, you can take back your power and with that, you will become less vulnerable to your abuser. You always wanna try and remember the power that you have. And I know that's a difficult journey because it took me a very long time to find mine and to finally get it back. Another step is to reflect. Self-reflection, you know, it it helps us to look at ourselves, our personality traits, our vulnerabilities. Like I've said before, no one asks for abuse. No victim is to blame here, but there are things that make us vulnerable to monsters. And again, I just keep <laughs> saying this, it is not our fault. It is those who abuse us and take advantage of, advantage of us. But if we learn what these traits are, the traits that make us susceptible and vulnerable, we can protect ourselves from future abusers and from future pain. And also not to just reflect on yourself, but to reflect on the narc. Learn about narcissists. Learn about the, the signs, their behaviors, their tactics, We need to learn about the devil to protect ourselves from the devil. But also, I caution you, do not go down a rabbit hole because it's very easy to do that. And then you're obsessing and you're thinking, oh my God, is this person a narcissist? Is this person a narcissist? And you're getting paranoid and kind of, I don't know, you feel a little crazy and like the world is a very dark place. So I caution you to find a a good balance because I've definitely gone down that path before. As always, build yourself a support network, you know, trusted professionals, family, friends, pets. (laughs) Pets are very helpful. I don't just rely on animals, though, but they are a very huge help. People who you can trust that will support you and help you in your recovery. You, you know, I always say this in my own life I might have said it on the podcast before but it takes a village to heal and you should never do it alone invest in self-care be compassionate and patient with yourself breaking from the bond and healing trauma is a very long journey it's going to take a lot of time and you need to allow yourself that time allow yourself that room to cry, to scream, to be angry, to to be depressed, to mourn. You're grieving because you have lost somebody and you are cutting a very strong tie 
because this is this is an addiction. Make a list of what you will refuse to tolerate in any future relationships. You know, whether this is romantic, platonic, familial, or work relationships, it's a good way to see yourself uh, in a safe and healthy future and to really hold yourself accountable and hold yourself to these rules. I have a list uh, for myself that's taped to my bedroom door of things that I won't tolerate. And it's for any relationship, not just romantic. I have it for any any dynamic with any human being. It's a list of things that I will not tolerate. Uh, things that I will walk out the door if I experience it and there's no change. Obviously, people have off days. But if you... If there is a pattern of you disrespecting any of those rules, those boundaries, then I'm out. And that is a constant reminder for me. And lastly, start planning your future. You know, what does your future look like? What do you want in a healthy partner, in a healthy friend? If you're dealing with family, you know, that's a little more difficult because obviously they're, you know, you can't choose your family. So... I would look at, okay, what do I want in a healthy family member? And then pick those people that have those traits. So just try and envision the types of human beings you want to surround yourself with and surround yourself with those people and cut out all the toxic, all the the narcs, and just envision and manifest your best and healthiest future. Ugh trauma bonds (laughs) they take a lot of time to undo and it's it's hard I remember feeling very anxious and just emotionally distraught when my ex wasn't around you know I was very codependent and the trauma bond was very strong to the point where you know like I said he was the one the only thing in the world that could fix the problems and I felt almost sick when he wasn't around like like he was my drug I would feel anxious and I'd feel antsy and jittery and like I had to see him right away it was very unhealthy and sad but you know I've learned a lot from that and I think that's the the big one of the biggest things we can do is to reflect on those unhealthy traits and patterns and behaviors that we may have and what makes us vulnerable to these dynamics so there you have it ladies and gentlemen that's the trauma bond there's a lot more to it there are so many great articles out there and i will post all that information okay let's get positive (laughs) what am i loving right now i am still on my rupaul's drag race binge i have watched let's see seasons five six seven half of seven i watched like half of seven a month ago and then i just finished it eight and now i'm on season one which is very weird the way they film it it looks like a weird like 90s fever dream or like a soap opera (laughs) I don't really understand the quality the camera quality is very strange but the show is 
catty and dramatic and ridiculous and hilarious and over the top and I just love it. I'm also loving right now I got my COVID booster last weekend which was very rough and (laughs) very taxing on me. It was fine. Just the first night was brutal and then the second day was just okay. I'm tired and wiped out but the first day My son was with my ex-husband and I just laid around and I binge watched Archive 81 on Netflix, which if you're into supernatural stuff, I highly recommend it. It's not, the preview made it look like a horror show, but it's actually more supernatural kind of found footage and they kind of bounce back and forth between present day and the 90s and it's really trippy. It was not at all I was expecting, but I really liked it. Oh my god, and then I watched the part one, season four, part one of Ozark, which I don't, there's like some shows that stress you out so much, and you're sitting there and you're like, why am I doing this to myself? Because there's so many horrible people on the show, and there's nobody to root for. But it was really well done, great acting. I don't want to give away any spoilers. There's one character on that show I just cannot stand. I think they are very evil and it drives me crazy. And I'm hoping there'll be justice and some karma in the part two of the last season, which I don't even know when that's airing. It's supposed to be this year. And let's see. Oh, lastly, I'm a big nerd. I've talked about that a lot. I haven't been super impressed with the book of Boba Fett, which is sad because I was really looking forward to it. But the most recent episode was just an episode of The Mandalorian. Like, I don't really understand what they were doing because it's a show about Boba Fett. But this entire last, I think it was episode five, was just strictly about The Mandalorian. And it continues from The Mandalorian season finale and kind of gives you an update of what he's been up to. And it was so much fun and so amazing. I'm a big Mando fan. I can't wait for the next season. Like, who doesn't love Baby Yoda? And yeah, I mean, I think that's about it. I've mostly just been studying. I bought some new, like, queer art for my apartment. Some pride art that I think is really cute. And I'm really happy to have it out just to show everyone that I'm proud and out and happy. (laughs) But anyways, I hope you're all doing amazing. I love you guys so much. Keep rising. Keep shining. You are more than enough. Good night. Good night.